Blog Talk Radio. Another edition of the Total Sports Live podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. And like we say before, any and every show that you listen to or that we do, you can check it out always on multiple platforms. First and foremost, you can check it out here on blogtalkradio.com backslash Total Sports Live. Or you can check it out on your smartphone. First and foremost, you go to your app store. It doesn't matter what phone you have as long as you got an app store. Go download the TuneIn Radio app from there. Once you download it, search Total Sports Live TSL Podcast. Really appreciate everybody that follows us and listens to us from there. And then, last but not least, we can't forget about people that have an iPhone. So if you got an iPhone, you got an iPad, you got an iPod Touch, you get an iPhone 8, you get an iPhone 10. If you got, if you got anything Apple or if you got a Mac, all you got to do is go to the iTunes or your computer or go to the podcast app on your phone, and all you got to do is search Total Sports Live, hit that subscribe button. We really appreciate everybody. Like we do on TuneIn, we appreciate you guys if you leave us a review and we're trying to make this podcast better for your listening pleasure. And we have a good show for everyone. Uh, tonight, we're going to be discussing the Eagles' 27-20 to 20 loss against the Kansas City Chiefs. No, it wasn't perfect, and no, it wasn't like week one. The Eagles had to lose somewhere, and a lot of people had this pencil in that loss. I know I did. And they just, Eagles just come up short, basically a bunch of mistakes, uh, drop balls, you know. It, 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 it wasn't it, – it, the game was close. The score indicated the game was close because it was. And the Eagles just did some different things schematically and play calling wise, they could have won this game. But we're going to talk about that. Uh, as you know, we're going to give our three takeaways from the game like we did last week. We're going to give our three takeaways from the game. We're going to give our one area that each team needs to be improved in. Well, not each team. We're going to give one area of improvement that the Eagles need as they head into their week three matchup against the New York Giants. And then also we're going to look at and give our best fantasy player of the week did you have a fantasy standout on your team, or were you disappointed this week? Because week two wasn't really nice to anybody because there's a lot of low-scoring games. We'll look at that also. We're going to preview the week three matchup, the home opener against the New York Giants. But you always know who's joining me on the podcast, my co-host, the one only Angela Montoni. Angela, how are you doing this evening? Like I said, the Eagles lost. It wasn't ideal, but... It had to happen. You wish it didn't have to happen in this fashion to a game that they could have easily won. Oh, uh, well, yeah. I mean, I'm, first of all, I'm doing well tonight. Thank you. How are you? Other other than the fact um, that you lost today. I'm doing all right. You know, same old, yeah. same old. Uh, it was a, you're right. It was a game that could have easily been won. I mean, the chip shot field goal in the end, in the final score, didn't really matter, but Maybe it would have if it was on there, but we can play Monday morning quarterback all we want. It, you know, it, I think for like it was a defensive stand the entire first half, and in a lot of ways, I think that was like one of the games of the week. So I think that it was a good, really good game on both teams, and somebody had to lose. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. it was the Eagles. I think you know, again, I had to leave for work with about like six minutes left in the fourth quarter, so I watched the rest of it like in snippets. Um, but, you know, they, they definitely tried to make a game of it in the end, so they didn't quit. So you got to give them credit for that. I just think that the defense got a little bit gassed towards the end because it was just one of those games where what defense would, you know, stand the longest. And Kansas City, you know, out, not outplayed but outlasted them. And it really just mattered in the last few minutes when the scoreboard was done. So, I mean, I can't really – it was a loss, but – 
I don't know, I'm not feeling like overly negative Angela tonight like everyone's used to. Yeah, and, and I totally agree with you. Um, like you said, it was about which defense was going to to break first, and the Eagles' defense broke because the Kansas City Chiefs, unlike in their week one game against the New England Patriots, they were hitting a lot of explosive plays. In this game, much credit to Jim Schwartz, the Chiefs didn't really have that many explosive plays, which is good. You know, the secondary really stood up. They really did a great job on, you know, Tyreek Hill could have did better on Travis Kelsey, but it is what it is. But the issue is, Angie, you said it, the defense was getting tired, and that goes to the my first takeaway in this game is that the running game was non-existent. Doug Peterson did a horrible job play calling tonight, or this afternoon, excuse me. No ants, ifs, buts about it. He, he, it was horrible. Uh, it was very Andy Reid-esque, even though Andy was more balanced than Doug. Who would have thought that? Uh, it was just horrible. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt, zero carries. Only had one touch in the game for zero yards. Talking one reception, pretty much, folks, for anybody listening out there. And when Wendell Smallwood only had three carries for four yards. And Carson Wentz was your leading rusher with four carries for 55 yards. And we're not even talking design punch. We're talking some scrambling off the pocket with pressure coming in his in his face. And you are not going to win a lot of football games, Ange, with your quarterback throwing 50 times, like I think he did today. I think he threw the ball 50 times. You add those four runs in, right? That's 54 passes pretty much. And then the six sacks I think he had. So that's 60, 60 pass attempts to only, what, uh, LeGarrette Blunt only had three runs. No, Smallwood, three runs. And Sproles, 10 for 48. 13 runs to only 60 to 60 passes, Ange. That's 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 just that's just ridiculous. It's it's completely ridiculous, and the play calling was all because they were running so they were running so wide at one point today where it actually looked like they were playing to the Chiefs' strength, and that was really frustrating. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like they traded last week's bubble screens for this week's center screen, and the offensive line looked like yeah. a sweet turn style. That kid is never mm-hmm. going to be able to live up to his potential if they can't protect him. And you don't want to know what, like, I don't even, like, it was a great storyline, the Kelsey brothers and whatever, but I still stand by my viewpoint that I've had the past few years that Jason Kelsey is completely overrated. He's had one good year, one, and he really isn't even that good of a center. I would call him average at best. And you know what, like, I, they've ignored that. We've seen better. Rolling. Yeah, we've seen a lot better. And he's literally had, like, one good year. And he's been riding that good year for the past how many? I don't know why. He's been riding that one good year for a long time. Yeah. So I don't know why this need has been ignored in the draft and free agency as of late. But you know what? Something needs to be done because, obviously, he can't protect that kid. That kid's going to take one good hit, go down, and God forbid what might happen because he whiffs a block. Yeah, and, and and you and you talk about Kelsey missing blocks. Uh, Isaac say Amalu, the second year the left guard, he didn't look good at all today either. Uh, I was watching the game and thinking to myself, this guy reminds me of shades of not not his not his play style in general, but just how he just did not have a good game and reminded me of Winston Justice giving six sacks up on Sunday on Sunday Night Football years ago. Or, you know, King Dunlap getting turned into a turnstile. It wasn't a good day for Sayumalu, and that hurt because, again, and it was just like last week where we were all like, ooh, ah, look at, uh, look at Carson Wentz, you know, move around the pocket. Pocket awareness is great. Now it's week two, and we're still seeing the same thing. That's getting kind of old. That is getting old. And Carson needs to learn how to slide feet first when he runs because he scares me when he dies. Yeah, it's it's like watching it's like watching a baby deer. <laughs> they're just they're just they're just so all all over the place when they're running. And but he just it's not even like he gradually gets into it. Like his head like takes a freaking torpedo towards the towards the grass. He's mm-hmm. not graceful about going head first at all. Like and again, these are habitual things that can be changed. But oh my god, they really need to work on that with him. He needs to learn how to slide. Because it's frightening when he decides to run 
like when he when I see him take the ball and it's like oh no oh no oh no there he goes what are you doing what are you doing sideline sideline no no middle of the field because you don't want to see the kick mm-hmm. hurt on something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of people's concerns. Obviously, you remember last season, a lot of people's concerns that he was taking some big hits that he necessarily didn't need to take. And like you said, he had four carries, 55 yards, but I need him to stay safe because Lord knows he is our he is the Eagles' only hope right now. Quarterback, no disrespect to Nick Foles, but if this team wants to go to that next level, it's going to be up to him because he has the arm. He has the skills to be that next-level quarterback for this franchise. He needs to stay healthy, and his offensive line needs to protect better, and he needs to open up the running lanes a little bit more too because I don't know what it is. I don't know if the if Peterson is just not calling the right runs or the offensive line isn't opening up the running lanes. Something's got to give here. Something's got to give. I mean, yeah, the offense, it just it, – it, it doesn't look like – they're even adjusting on field at the moment. I mean, Carson's mm-hmm. doing all he can, but like, it's it's almost like there's no backup plays in in place. Exactly. And if they are, and they try to regroup, you can tell that they're scrambling. Mm-hmm. That's a good. And that's and a problem. It, and I'm glad that you brought that point up because I think who I think Dio brought that point up. In our Facebook message, in our Facebook message group, um, I think he brought that up when I was talking to him. I think he said there was really no, what there was really no, you could see there was really no, what's the word? I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of it. Uh, you just said it. I'm losing Contingency plan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was none of that. He didn't adjust on the fly. Peterson didn't adjust. It was just like, okay, well, we're just gonna keep on passing the ball here. You know, we, we, he, 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 don't, he doesn't go back to LeGarrette Blunt. You know, the guy who you know he can carry the load, he doesn't go back to him. Um, he, he doesn't call a draw. He calls the screens, which work, but, my God, you know, the, every time Darren Sproles went off for a pass, the Chiefs knew what it was. You're kind of getting predictable. We're not on Chip Kelly level predictable, but you need to run the ball. If you want to keep Carson Wentz healthy, you've got to run the ball. You want to keep your running backs healthy, got to run the ball. But if you want to admit that your running backs aren't that good, then that comes down to a drafting issue that needs to be solved and resolved. I mean, I don't know. There were a couple, there were many times in this game where I was sitting here watching before I had to leave, and I was just kind of like, if you're not going to use him, then why did you sign him? You know, like uh-huh. last week I said I liked I liked how they used like Eric Plant in the opener. I mean, today he was. He was underutilized at best, like, uh-huh. being very kind about assessing the situation. Like there are plenty of times that they could have used him, and I think you know one of the things that you'd have to, if you're talking about running games, look at the other side of the ball. You got to give Andy credit that like there were a lot of plays where defense stopped the running game of Kansas City, but Andy kept with it and he did not give up on it. You know, and he mm-hmm. runs a throw-happy offense, but he did not give up on the running game. And that's the and thing. He did not give up on the running game. They gave up on the running game. Yep, Eagles gave up, but Andy didn't give up. And then what happened? Kareem Hunt well, no, Yeah, when I say they, I'm sorry. Run. I'm sorry. Clarification. Yeah. Eagles gave up on the running game. Right, and like you said, they gave up on the running game and – Kansas City didn't, and that's when Kareem Hunt was starting to rip off big runs because you're wearing the defense out. Like you said, Eagles were stopping Kareem Hunt. They stopped him in the first half. He did really wasn't doing anything. But what happened? You keep on battering him. You keep on hammering him. Eventually the defense is going to break, and they're going to bend, and the lanes are going to start opening up, and then that's what happens. Doug Peterson doesn't do that for some reason, especially like you said, when you have a guy like LeGarrette Blunt that you signed him for a reason, but you're not exactly him at all, at all. Which is eternally frustrating because there's been like there's been a huge hole in the running game since. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this is really no disrespect to Darren Sproles, but Darren Sproles isn't the same type of runner that LaShawn McCoy was, so there's still that away from when LaShawn McCoy left. 
even yep. though Sproles has totally been I, listen. I loved Aaron Sproles. He's been a amazing addition to this team. I am so glad that he came here. No, no, no disrespect whatsoever, but they're completely two different running backs. You know, Darren Sproles is your special team returner. He's that, like, quick little burst of speed guy, but he's not your feature cutback back like Shady is. So, you know, you've actually a running back through free agency who has been able to be a running back one on a team. So while, you know, you can compare their stats and however they measure up, but you have, like, someone in that role again, finally. And I don't know, with the way he's not playing him, I don't really think that Doug nor the coaching staff is happy with Pumphrey because did he even get on the field today? Pumphrey's hurt now. He he he, he apparently oh, is he? tore he apparently tore his hamstring in practice or something this week. So he's on IR, even though we all knew that was coming before he got hurt. Let's just call it what it is. Mm. We all knew he was going to be a phantom IR injury. Yeah. So, like, like you said, it's frustrating because it's like they haven't learned from their mistakes, and Peterson hasn't learned that you have to feed the ball to a guy like Legarrette Blunt. Like you said, Ange, last week, yeah, people might say, well, Blunt doesn't have any tank, or he's not showing that burst. Like you mentioned, guess last last week, he's coming off a career year in carry. He's coming off a career year and touches, so he's probably still trying to get himself back in the rhythm. And a back like him, you got to keep on feeding him the ball because he needs to find a rhythm. He needs to start getting into the motion of things. You can't just put him on the field and then never put him back on the field and think, oh, we're going to pepper we're going to pepper uh, the Kansas City Chiefs with Darren Sproles. Like you said, no disrespect to Darren Sproles, and it was a great trade for the Eagles to get Sproles in the way that they did, but I don't want 37, 36-year-old Darren Sproles or however old he is in his 30s, I don't want him running in between the tackles consistently. That that That's foolish. No, you don't want the guy to get, like, nailed, like, in the twilight of his career. No, you don't. Because 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 it's not it's not worth it. Because if he gets hurt, special teams drastically. And that's been one of the Eagles' strong suits over these last few years. You can't have that happen. So, hey, that was my one takeaway uh, from the game. That was my first takeaway from the game. What was your take? What was one of your takeaways from today's loss? Even though, like I said, the game, the score was close, and the Eagles had a chance to win. The game was tied going into the fourth quarter, but the wheels completely fell off the bus. I mean, my main takeaway is just the, the the offensive line's got to protect Wentz more. I mean, the more I see how much he just – how many times he has to scramble, like I get to the point where I'm legitimately afraid for that kid's future. Mm-hmm. I agree and with it you. It really is just as simple as that. Like, they need to protect him more because – I don't really, oh, like I said, like I like every time, like, and you can tell, like, you just said he's like a baby deer when he has to scramble. Like, that kid doesn't know what to do because there's all these, like, gigantic men coming at him that, like, some of them outweigh him by, like, 100 pounds. Mm-hmm. And, he, and you can see in certain plays where he just, defensive line just blowing right past him, and they're literally grabbing on this man, ripping him, you know, trying to rip him down <laughs> by his jersey, and He's strong enough that he's able to shake him off, but at certain mm-hmm. points, there's not so many times where he's going to shake him off, and the next time he might have to shake one off, there could be another guy coming right in his face to lay the hit. I mean, yeah, like I totally give him credit for um, being able to shake off as many tackles as he could because there were some times where it's like, how the hell did he stay out today? But you, you, we shouldn't be rooting for that stat. Like, we shouldn't be like, man, he stayed up so many times when he should have went down. No, no, he should get enough time in the pocket to where he can release the ball and not get hit. <laughs> I know that like, sounds like really, really simple, but it happens too much to him to not, like, be a smart ass and state the obvious. Yeah, it's becoming, it's starting, his, his magician-like skills in the pocket are starting to become a 
are starting to become a normalcy, and that's not good. The abnormal for the Eagles starting to become the normal, and that is never a good thing when it comes to this running game. Um, another takeaway I had from today's game was Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey came to play. Well, not came to play. The combination started to work. Jeffrey had about seven catches for 92 yards. Got a touchdown, too. Had his first touchdown. Uh, he played He played much better, Ange, and I don't know what that was. I don't know if that was just how Kansas City schemed things, but he played much better, looked very comfortable. I like how Wentz early and often went to him in, the, in that first drive. He really looked good, and that gives me some sort of promise for the Eagles offense, knowing that, okay, we kind of we saw what Aguilar did last week, which was really great. He had a second touchdown today, and even though it didn't really mean anything, still had a second so still had his uh, second his second touchdown. Uh, we already know what Torrey Smith's going to give you. You know, he had a couple of drop balls, but we didn't know about Alshon in his first game. Now we know what he's going to do and what he brings to the table. Big target. He's going to get you. He's going to get you yards. He's going to be a mismatch. And I think as the season go along, we're going to see this connection continue to get better and better, which is a good sign because every quarterback, every franchise quarterback, needs a number one wide receiver. And Wentz needs Jeffrey as much as Jeffrey needs Wentz. I really like their connection to you today, and I think it's nice to see, you know, he's playing like the big name free agency or free agent you sign him to be. They seem to be building mm-hmm. a rapport, which is awesome. And like you said, they need each other. I, you know, I just hope that if they can build this rapport up and have a very fruitful relationship over the course of the season, the Eagles can keep him. That's the only thing that concerns me. Like, but I'm right. just trying to live in the now in this season. And if the Eagles have a decent season and perform, I see no reason why they wouldn't be able to keep him. But I think that's just like the main concern. I would hate like hell for you know them two to like build a relationship and once get really comfortable with him and get most comfortable with him all out of everyone on the roster, and then he goes somewhere else next season. That's the fear. That's the fear. But like you said, we got to live in it now, and let's continue to live in it now. Yep. Zach Ertz, he had another 90-yard game. Zach is coming to yeah. play early season. This is amazing. He's all, he's getting close to that 1,000 yards, folks, I'm telling you. It's the good juju of me naming my one fantasy team after him. I resurrected my one fantasy team, Ertz, Wind, and Fire. And the last time I did, he had a really good year, so... Hey, and like like we said last the, week, I put the good know, voodoo on him. You sure did, because like we said last week, you know, if Ertz is able to be productive and contribute, that's only going to mean great and good things for the for the Eagles offense. That's going to help things much more. And for him to put up another ninety yard performance, I think he had ninety three yards or something like that. He's doing what you need him to do. He's attacking that middle of the field which will help open up things a lot more. So, hey, we got to give props to Zach Ertz. Two great games. Two great games. We got to really we gotta really love that. Yeah, it's five receptions for 97 yards. Hey, look uh, at that. And that. Look at that. And that, oh, that one reception should have been a touchdown. Torrey Smith uh, tried yeah. his best. But when he tried to get in front, he knocked the guy into Ertz. So, oh. Man, dude, and you know, I'm I'm sitting there watching the game with my with my dad, like who's like is like, I get it from him, and I just start like I start like yelling expletives. My dad just starts laughing. He's like, "Well, it was a good play." He's like, "I know you didn't get the points for the touchdown. I know that's why you're pissed, but but they ended up getting to the end zone." Damn shame it wasn't Earth that got that touchdown though. But yeah, like that one play, it was like, ah, oh, that was like a thing of beauty because it was like I saw that and I'm like, oh, have we seen the death of No Yak Zach? Because that would be really nice <laughs> because that was always one thing. In it. Well, that was always one thing in his game he was missing. Yeah. For the time, the yards he was after awful the with yards after catch. He was terrible with it. And that's why you were just kind of like, is this guy going to like fade into mediocrity in terms of the tight end? Right. As much as I love him, I was afraid of that. We all were, to be honest with you. Because we've seen the mm. talent that he has to be a top ten tight end, but he just never put together. But this year's he's putting together, including that ridiculous catch that he had towards the end of the first half 
where went that was looked amazing. like he threw an interception. That was the that was that was where he got knocked down right before the end zone. Mm-hmm. That was an amazing hand eye coordination and incredible yeah. impeccable focus. <laughs> that sure that yeah, it definitely was. I couldn't believe it myself. I was like, huh? And you see, and if people, if people didn't watch the game, you could see, like, Greg Lewis on the Chiefs sideline. Like, he's just in shambles. He just doesn't – he just didn't know what happened. And it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe he just caught that. We didn't get the interception. He almost scored the touchdown. Just imagine if he gets into the end zone, how that could have changed the direction of the game. And I know we don't play the game the what if and what it should have could have, but – you never know how that could have changed things because the Eagles did miss a field goal towards the end of the first, at that bottom at the end of the half, which you know I can't blame the yeah, kicker for. He's a yeah, he's a rookie. It was only his second ever NFL kick, taking a risk. But hey, Zachary, keep on doing your thing. Get them, get them yaks, get them yak yards, get them yak yards. It will mean a world of a difference. But yeah, he like he looked good today, so I was very very pleased with his performance. And you know, like you said, like he has the talent to be like that top ten tight end. It's just like piecing those mm-hmm. things together. And I think now, like you can actually see like they're starting to see. Like you don't hear Brent Selleck's name as much. Right. I don't know. Like are we trying to like yeah? I think Brent Selleck in this offense, he's going to be used more as a tight end. Which, I mean, as a blocker, which I am okay with. Knowing how this offensive yeah, line is in shambles, was, that was, we need yep. it. So, I mean, yeah, like, it's like I said, like, it was a loss and it sucks, but it really is not, like, one of those, like, losses that, like, I don't think there's really anything for them to, like, hang their heads about. I think that was, like, that. In a lot of ways, that was like one of the games of the week because it was just such a hard defensive stand pretty much almost the entire game mm-hmm. until the fourth quarter. Most de- most definitely, most definitely. And, you know, we look at takeaways from this game. Like you said, there's nothing that they can really hang your head on, but there's always room for improvement. I think we already mentioned this numerous times. Um, like we already said, running the ball more. Rich Wentz shouldn't be your leading rusher. Um he shouldn't be a lead in rusher. Peterson's got to get more balanced. You got to. If you want to win the NFL, you got to be balanced. My God, we don't. We we you don't need to use one running back. The Patriots showed that last year. Three different guys got them to the Super Bowl last year. Four, matter of fact, different guys got them to the Super Bowl. They're doing the same thing. Running back by committee. I know in the NFL there's this mystique of you need to have a lead back, which is great, which is great. But committee can help you get to that can help you make your run running game more diverse. I think he has to do that. Peterson has to do that because if not, if these guys aren't the answer, then you need to go find the answer, whatever that may be. But if you have the horses, you got to work with them. Also, I want to give credit to the cornerbacks. Cornerbacks played really good. Rasul Douglas stepped in for injured Jalen Watkins because um, who else got hurt? Rodney McLeod got hurt. So, Russell Douglas, I think he played a good game as well. Um, he's definitely going to be needed this season. Uh, he actually, he might, we might need him to start next week. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there because dude can play. He's long. He's a long cornerback. He led the NCAA lane with interceptions with eight last season, so he might be needed. He showed a little bit. He jumped a couple of routes, which is okay. But he did, he did put a nice hit on Tariq on Tariq Hill on that bubble screen. Read it, read, react, got it down, and did his thing. So hey, that's I give a shout out to the secondary. They stepped up when everybody thought they were going to get blown off the border, including me. They stepped up. Yeah, they totally stepped up. And like I said, like it was, it was just the defense in that game on both sides was great. And Obviously, like we, like I said, we can play Monday morning quarterback and our plays will even change, but this is what happens when the schedule makers give you an actual schedule. Uh-huh. You know, we knew we knew that their schedule was going to be hard coming out of the gate, and it was a loss, but I also think that it was not a total loss because you got to see that with Darby being out, I think the secondary wasn't as 
you know, bad as we thought it was going to be. It wasn't great, but it still showed that it can kind of play patchwork a little bit while they wait for him to recover from his ankle. Mm-hmm. Most definitely, most definitely, and that's what you want to see. You want to see them step up when a guy like Darby is down. And Jalen Mills, he played, in, he had another solid game. You know, I'm not the biggest of Jalen Mills fan. I'm not a big fan of his on the on the field, obviously. But his play has been solid through the first two games. I gotta I gotta give him props. He's played really well this season, and you know Jim Schwartz is going to keep on having to do some maneuvering in that secondary with these injuries. You know you hope Riley McLeod Riley McLeod is injured for the if it gets better for this week because they're going to need him going against the Giants passing attack that's a little wounded right now with Odell Beckham Jr. Who knows if he's going to play? Who knows how long he's going to be out? We'll talk about the Giants coming up as they have a matchup against Detroit on Monday Night Football. But, and we do have to talk some fantasy football, as always. We got to look at who had the best day, or best week, excuse me, in fantasy football. Uh, It doesn't matter. It can be on our teams. It just could be in general. Who had a good fantasy week for you, for all your players out there playing fantasy and still holding on to their life. Well, I didn't have, like, really anyone on my team that had a completely spectacular week, but the one fantasy player i got to give credit to, and I really can't believe I'm even saying this, but, like, straight up playing like it's 2013, where the hell did Michael Crabtree come from today? How did you know that was my person, too? (laughs) Um, Because this dude in my league ripped off for 181 points, and Crabtree had 31 of them. And I saw that. I'm like, what? And I looked at my roster, and I'm like, so that's why Amari Cooper didn't get that much action in the 42-whatever win over the Jets. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's been happening a lot, too, to the number one wide receivers. Like, defenses are totally maxing these guys out. And the second or third, the second and third guys are, like, really eating in these first two weeks, which is so weird that it's happening like that. Yeah, and I left, like, a total of, like, positive 31 points on my bench, and I'm still going to win. Um, Emmanuel Sanders got me 22 points in my league. He's on my bench because I had some faith in the Deshaun jackson Jameis Winston tandem. Don't really know if I'm going to go with that again next week, though, because I just kind of yeah. see out with Rogers' performance tonight. Hey, A-Ron, coming up in the clutch. Got to give it up to A-Ron. No, no, no. my fantasy no. person. Oh. No, I don't have him. He played against me, oh. but I had enough to wear. Oh, uh, but it, it made it interesting. It's still making it interesting, but I'm up by enough, especially with cool yoga and that reception just now. So, but yeah, Crabtree, like I said, coming out, coming out here like it's 2013. Where the hell he come from? Hey, he's been in Oakland. He's kind of rejuvenated his career in Oakland, to be honest with you. Ever since Richard Sherman called him a sorry ass wide receiver, he's kind of he's kind of found the light in Oakland, which is good. That's good to see. Not for all, not for people who have Amari Cooper on their roster. They would love to see Amari yeah, Cooper eat. I think he will eventually get his. It's only a matter of time. He'll get his. Of course he will. Yeah. It's early. It's early in the season. But I do got to give a disappointment, a disappointed fantasy player of the week. I know they don't have a disappointing one, but I do got one. Uh, Terrell Pryor has been very disappointing these first two weeks. He's not showing up at all. And that's not good for anybody to have him on my fantasy on their fantasy team. I have him on my NFL.com fantasy team. I had him and Amari Cooper playing this week, and I barely got nothing, nothing at all. You see, I'm yeah. See, I'm really disappointed with the Vikings defense because they were supposed to actually like be pretty decent for where I drafted them, and mm-mm, no way. <laughs> Being yeah. I'm lucky that I drafted well in my one league at all other positions. It's been able to carry my lackluster defense. Yeah, defenses have have been really shaky this year too. To be honest with you, like the Eagles were pretty were pretty good the first week. You got to say Kansas City was really good. Uh, Tampa Bay's defense they got they got some major major points major points in your PPR. The uh, if you had Tampa Bay in your PPR, Tampa Bay defense eight this week. With a good with a good day, if you had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, just saying. Yeah, but if you only you drafted one defense, 
if you only drafted one defense, right, and they had that bye week week one, right, you might have had to drop yeah, and pick up another defense, or you would have to give up. Yeah. Someone, you know what I mean? Like that whole right. like rescheduling, like, like that whole like you know just taking the week off, like kind of screwed a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You got that right, and I. And I only get, and I only won my NFL. dot com game by like one point something something points, thanks to a Dan, thanks to a Dan Bailey extra point, because the Cowboys totally got obliterated by the uh, Denver Broncos out west. So yes, they Eagles, did. Man, keep keep your heads up, keep your heads up. Farewell against Denver, but you fared well against the Kansas City Chiefs. That's a positive. That is a positive to take from this. They fared well. Dallas didn't. Washington did their thing against L.A. L.A., I think the Rams are – L.A., you know, we'll see what the Rams do. Who knows what they are. But we're just talking about the AFC West. you got to be encouraged that the Eagles are able to hang in there with a Kansas City team, Chiefs team who beat the doors off of New England week one were able to hang in there, and Dallas totally just they weren't there. This they weren't there this week. We'll just say that. <laughs> I didn't see the game, but I, I I I saw the score, and the score kind of told me everything I needed to know. And sometimes that's really all it takes. The scoreboard tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't want to watch that game. I just knew it was in a. I knew within a weather delay in the first quarter when it was like Broncos up seven zero. Then after that, I don't know what happened for the score to be forty two to seventeen. Well, we had it on at work because yeah, we had it on at work because I work with some filthy Cowboys fans. Uh, (laughs) I'm pretty sure they was upset. Oh yeah, and it was funny because the one didn't know why they had delayed, like why the game like had switched over, and she's walking Mm -hmm. around like we America's team. I'm like, no, you're not. You're America's team in Texas. I was like, and there are yeah. a lot of people in Texas that don't even claim you. Some people would prefer to follow J.J. Watt and the Texans. How does that make you feel? They were like, where'd the game go? Where'd the game go? And they found out it was a weather delay. And they're like, really? Lightning? Like, yeah, lightning. Yeah. They have metal in their cleats. Those All are right. conductors of electricity. So any lightning yeah, in the area, okay. if you are not playing in a dome, you have to call the game for a moment. Yeah. Lord, right, yeah, because we don't want nobody, you know, just getting just struck by lightning because of the cleats, you know. We don't want that. It's football. It's not worth dying over. Nah. Even though Jalen Adams said he would die on the field. Uh, uh, they asked him this. I think it was jet safety. And he asked him about that at the uh, at some kind of like player thing or whatever. This is like in training camp, and talking about CTE and concussions and things like that. And he said something to the effect that he would die on the field. And that was kind of just like, oh, that's a little cringeworthy to say that. I don't know how we feel about that, but no, it's not worried. It's not worth dying on the field, you know. Hey, call the game, take a break, see what happens. Obviously, the Cowboys couldn't adjust because. The Broncos just kept rolling over. But that's what's going to happen because Dallas can have as many offensive weapons as they can have, but if their defense can't stop nobody and they can't stop a nosebleed, and if you're starting cornerbacks, Nolan Carroll, you're going to be in for a long season. And that's just being brutally honest. Obviously, Carroll's in for a really long season. You're right. And that should be good news for the Eagles fans because we can put a points on it. Put a points on the on the Cowboys, but that's way to be seen. We'll see how that all plays out uh, later in the season. But we got to move on to week three. Week three. This is very pivotal for the Eagles. They're taking on the Giants. It's the home opener. Um, they get this win next week. They'll be two and zero in the division and two and one. I don't care about the record of two and one, Ange. The two and one's great. But two and oh in the division would be lovely and it sets them up to where they could run the not run the table in the division, but it sets them up to be a contender late 
in November and December with a good division record? I don't really see them having a problem winning on Sunday. It's their home opener. Um, You know, last week Giants didn't really look that good. Mm-hmm. Now without Odell Beckham Jr., they don't look good at all. Yeah, and I don't know. Is Eli showing some signs of aging? Maybe he is. Yeah. I just think at this point, like, for the most part, the Eagles are younger and they're stronger. And mm-hmm. even if the score is low, it's just going to be a case of the Eagles are just going to outlast them. So I don't really see think- next week as an issue whatsoever. Right. I don't think so either. I think, again, it's going to be another test for the Eagles secondary because even without no Odell Beckham Jr., the Giants still have weapons in their wide receiver core with Sterling Shepard and Brandon Marshall. They got Emma Ingram at tight end. There's still going to be some things to, to for the secondary to deal with. However, the Eagles' defense, their front seven, should be able to shut down Washington, I mean not Washington, excuse me, New York's ground attack because just like the Eagles and and just like the and just like Washington, New York has running has has running game problems too. That's just the NFC East for you this year. Everyone has running game problems except the Cowboys. Well, Cowboys might have some running game problems. Ah, uh, true. If he gets suspended. So we don't close the door on that just yet. No, we don't. Oh, my God. Did anybody just see that Aaron Rodgers hit? He just got obliterated. Oh, my God. Hey, Mike McCarthy, I think it's time to take out Aaron Rodgers. He didn't deserve that. (laughs) Wow. He didn't deserve that hit. He he didn't deserve that. Getting up with, like, grass on his helmet. Yeah, it's one of those one of those one of those nights for the Packers. One of those nights. But Aaron Rodgers, he's a warrior. He, he he's a strange character, but he, he gets the job done. And like you said, Zeke, you know, Zeke is suspended for the Cowboys since he missed the Cowboys just now. If Zeke gets suspended, the Dallas running game is in is in, is in trouble too because, and not even talking fantasy wise, but can you really depend on Darren McFadden to stay healthy? No, going to the ball. No. Exactly. You couldn't depend on him five years ago. No, you couldn't. No, you couldn't. And can you depend on Alfred Morris to back him up? Uh, No. No. Not really either. A career backup? No. Nah. He only had one good year. And that was his rookie year. So, like you said, Dallas running game could be in trouble. Which, hey, if Dallas running game is in trouble, along with the Eagles, Washington, New York, that's a complete free for all because now you're dependent. Now you're saying, well, who has the better defense? Which lends itself to the Eagles, which means the Eagles could be in the draft seat the NFC. I'm not for I know I'm prognosticating here, but just playing law of averages and in process of elimination here. Well, let's not get too ahead of ourselves, but it is a yeah. it is a decent possibility that it might happen, and that they are. I mean, listen. I think that they have just as much a chance as the other three teams to win the division. Uh-huh. I don't think this is a division where there's like one clear runaway winner. So let's just get that straight no. right there. I don't no, know. I, I think at the you. very least it's going to be a fun season. Oh, it definitely will be. And if they and if and if and like we said, if the Eagles can win on Sunday and be two up, two up in the division, while the Giants, because the Giants are trying to stave off being zero to the division. If you start off two and zero. While you put the Giants down in 0-2, you're really separating yourself and you're making things harder for the Giants to even think about, you know, coming back and, and making the playoffs and possibly uh, winning the division. But, hey, that's the NFL. You never know uh, what's going to happen. And, as always, like we do every uh, podcast, we always end it and wrap it up with Angela's final thought of anybody who's watched Jerry Springer. You always know Jerry after a crazy wild episode. Jerry always brings some some stability and civility to the show after he, you know, talks about 
and, uh, and uh, something positive or some kind of message that people can take away and draw from facility and use for life. However, this is kind of different. Angela breaks down and gives some kind and gives positive teachings about whatever on her mind or whatever came across her mind, not only in sports but in life in general. So with that being said, it is now time for Angela's final thoughts. So I'm going to turn it over to her. Well, tonight kind of goes along with the uh, Monday Night Football uh, thread of conversation that we started a little bit ago. Um, so tonight is the Atlanta Falcons home opener in their gigantic new opulent palace that they built only to rival Jerry Land. But while the ostentatious nature of the stadium is kind of a subtext, I would like to point out the attention to the statue that they have outside, which they call Samuel L. Falcon, which is hilarious because if you actually look at it, it's not a falcon. It's an eagle. Really? And the way that the oh, it is. Google it. Google the statue outside of the Atlanta Falcon Stadium and put a picture of a falcon beside it. It is not a falcon. It is an eagle. And not only is it an eagle, but it looks... uh, very, very, very similar to the point where it's like almost ripping it off of the Kelly Green Eagle clutching the football in between its talons. So shout out to the Atlanta Falcons for giving the Eagles two home stadiums. We're glad you have claimed space at your residence. I don't know who was responsible for that, but I'm sure that they are fired. And I just think it's one of those, like, you know, space palm moments in sports that the Atlanta Falcons seriously put a statue of an eagle out front of their stadium. And not only was it an eagle, but it was pretty much the eagle clutching the football from the Buddy Ryan, Kelly Green era of Philadelphia football. So thank you, man. That, fr- that franchise can't do anything, right? Yeah. Even blowing the lead in the Super Bowl. Just can't. They just can't get it together. They just can't get it together. So that's like my final thought of the night. Let's all have a good laugh at Atlanta's expense because they can't even get their mascot right. Hey, the the, the laughs keep rolling in at the Falcons. They blew a 25-point lead, and now their their statue doesn't even look like the Falcons. It is an equal clutching a football. It's an equal. Like the Eagles logo back in the 90s. Atlanta. You're going to Google it as soon as we get as soon as we get done off the air. You're going to Google it and you're going to message me and be like, "Oh my God, it is the Eagle." Yes, I, I, I most likely will, because I just can't believe the Falcons did that. And hey, do you boo boo? If you want to, you know, do statues like that, then sure. But at least get it correct. At least be some sort of correct. At least have some similar to the damn bird that your team is actually representing. I mean, yeah, because I mean, Falcons and Eagles look nothing alike. No, they they're totally too different. A falcon smaller than the eagle in the first place. Damn that's falcon! Like damn putting, falcon! That's like Temple putting a friggin' statue of a peregrine <laughs> of like one of the buildings. Right. That's like Temple putting a. That's like Temple putting a uh, uh, putting a statue outside Leah Course of a Saint Joseph Hawk. Oh, yeah, that Seriously. would be bad. You see, it's like that. That's that. That's the easy comparison. The easiest comparison I could come up with. But it'd be something like that. It would be a monstrosity. You're thinking to yourself, "How did you guys butcher this and mess this up?" I'm like, really? I'm pretty sure you had Google images. I'm pretty sure you can look at a National Geographic photo of a falcon that pretty much put this together. And I don't want to get all on the on the sculpture and everything because I know sculptor probably does amazing jobs on his artwork. This one he just messed up, but when it happens to the Atlanta Falcons, who blew a twenty five point lead in the Super Bowl, you got to give their laughs in, and you got to laugh at them. They are certainly the butt of the NFL jokes recently. That's for damn sure. And thank you, Atlanta, for providing us so many punchlines. Keep on bringing it. We really appreciate you guys. Keep on doing it. We really love you. But, um, hey, that's going to wrap up another edition of the Total Sports Blog Podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. And before we go, before we go, make sure you check out totalsportslive.com for your latest info, news, analysis on 
uh, on on the Philadelphia Eagles, on the Philadelphia sports teams. Sixers training camp is about to start up very soon. The Flyers are underway with their preseason and training camp. That's underway as well. Uh, the Phillies, they're still chugging along, you know, not to our, you know, not that we really care. We're just all waiting for the final shoot, the final pitch to be thrown so we can continue on with our falls. But, hey, Reese Hopkins, Reese Hopkins, excuse me, is still hitting home runs, so we still love him for that. He's probably going to end up being the team leader home runs, which is just sick, sick to think about that he will be the team leader in home runs. It's Imagine what he could have done with the full world. season. I, I, I've seen the statistics of what he could have did in the full season at this pace, and that 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 it's it's un, it's ungodly to be honest with you. It, it rivals more than what John Carlos Stanton is doing, which is amazing unto itself as well. But hey, that's why we still watch the Phillies. We don't watch the Phillies for to see if they'll win. We watch the Phillies to see the youth. We watch the Phillies to see Reese Hoskins and J.P. Crawford and. Aaron Altair and Nick Williams. That's how you watch the Phillies. Not to see if they win. 2006 all over again. That's what it is. And hopefully 2018 is the year that they become competitors. That is the hope. And we'll see. So we got that. Like I said, Sixers, Eagles, uh, have some temples on the website. Matt went down Friday night, covered Temple UMass. It was a snooze fest for the most part, but the Temple Owls did pull it off, beating the UMass Minutemen. Temple's now 2-1. and one. Next up, you take on the South Florida Bulls in, in Tampa on Thursday night. That should be a good one. It's Tampa's going to be a tough game because, obviously, South Florida has an outstanding quarterback in Quentin Flowers and an outstanding coach in Charlie Strong. Meanwhile, uh, Matt Rule, he's having a tough time at Baylor. Baylor is now 0-3 after falling to mm-hmm. University. So it's not going Traitor. well for Matt Rule. And, and, I can't, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I can't laugh at him because Matt Rule's a nice guy. But I can. Why did you go to Baylor? Why? Why? I can laugh. Don't worry. I'll do it enough for the both of us. I I know you will. I know. Mm-hmm. I remember when this. I remember when this happened. I remember when he when he took the job. I know exactly how you felt. So we got all that uh, on the website and more. So you like the Facebook page. Uh, follow. On Twitter at Total Sports, uh, at Total Sports Live. Follow Ange on Twitter at Ange Montone. That's Ange with an E, A N G E M O N T O N E on Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter at as well at Jovan Ten. So that's going to wrap up another edition of this podcast. Thanks again. Like I said, you can check it out on multiple platforms. Like I said earlier in the show, Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn Radio, and iTunes. So for me and Ange, we're going to wrap this one up. Everyone have a good week out there. We'll be back same time, same place next week, hopefully talking about an Eagles home opener victory because Lord knows the Eagles somehow lose on next Sunday on home opener and Doug Peterson doesn't run the ball. People could be calling for Doug Peterson to get fired. I'm just saying. Oh, Doug, run the ball. I can't take that this early in the season. <laughs> just just, just wait till you listen to sports radio this week. It's going to be all fire Doug Peterson, I'm telling you. I avoid it for that reason. Hey, a lot of avoid sports talk radio here in the city. It's the same old stuff. Same old stuff, different day. That's what it is. But that's why I listen to the TSL podcast. So for me and everyone have a Everyone have a good one, and we will talk to you guys very soon. Enjoy yourselves this week. Stay out of trouble. Bye. Bye, everyone.